Well, let me add my welcome. Uh, this morning, my name is Tim. Good to see people filtering back into church slowly. Um, I hope you've had a good week. It was our first week back of full week of kids at school. And um, what a peaceful, productive, quiet week it's been. Um, but you do miss them. You miss them. They're constant presence. Kind of. Kind of. Um, but they're doing well. Today's an Alpha Guest Service, so at the uh, end of today's message I'm going to uh, invite you to sign up for the Alpha course. And as um, Rachel Victoria mentioned, it kicks off this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Um, it's going to be a great launch party, we're going to have some live music, great food, and the first film. And um, I love Alpha. Just, you know, the point is that we get a chance to ask the big questions about life and faith and do it in a really non-preachy and... Um, just enjoyable kind of setting. And the, the other thing that I love is just the way that over a meal and discussion, um, people become friends. So, can't wait. Let me encourage you, even before we close today, to consider joining us this Wednesday. Alright, Gussie, first slide. We are starting our new series today at church titled, What Did Jesus Teach? What Did Jesus Teach? And basically the idea behind this series is to familiarise and be challenged and hopefully put into action the teachings of Jesus. Because uh, after all, that's what a lot of discipleship is about. It's about learning the way of Jesus, knowing the truth of Jesus, in order that we might take on the life of Jesus. So what did he teach? Well, I'm so glad that you're here for the kickoff to this series, uh, because you are about to hear the greatest sermon preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. That's not me. <laughs> We're going to hear the Sermon on the Mount today. But this is the most influential sermon that was ever preached by the most influential preacher who ever lived. It is the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus of Nazareth. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, he was a tax collector, became a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote an account of Jesus' life. And we find the sermon in chapters 5 to 7. And I really believe that through the Spirit of Jesus that is poured out on us at Pentecost, Jesus is going to preach this sermon into our hearts today. Something always happens when we read the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's been happening in me as I've been preparing this last week. If I'm honest, I, you know, it's left me feeling quite exposed. Um, it's left me feeling challenged. It's left me feeling convicted about my discipleship. And you know, it drives me back to that opening line. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in the Sermon on the Mount, the, the preacher on the Mount is going to set an incredibly high bar for us. Uh, it is, after all, the highest conceptualization of truth and ethics. And I don't know what we'd expect if this is the Word of God preaching absolute truth. It is going to be challenging. But it also leads us to this realization that we are poor in spirit. And that at that very moment when we realize we can't be perfect like our Father in heaven... Jesus says once again to us, Blessed are you, you poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom 
of heaven. We're told that the first who heard this sermon are amazed. At the end of chapter 7, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. His words carried weight, like a command that people knew that they had to follow, they had to be a part of this. I like what G.K. Chesterton, the uh, journalist and author and humorist in, in the UK, said a hundred years ago. He said, on the first reading of the Sermon on the Mount, nothing makes sense. <laughs> but on the second reading, nothing else makes sense. So we're going to hear the sermon in a moment. But I want to make a big observation that we will keep coming back to throughout this series. And that is simply that we must never separate the Sermon on the Mount from the Preacher on the Mount. Right? If we separate the Sermon on the Mount from the Preacher on the Mount, the sermon can end up being frustrating idealism. Or worse, kind of an oppressive legalism. And it can lead to us getting tired and maybe even wanting to give up. But you bring the preacher and the sermon together and it gains its authority. It is finding out who is the I who will say at least six times in this sermon, but truly I say to you. So who is this authoritative I who speaks in a way that no one else has ever spoken? What does Matthew say? What does he think? The, who does he think the preacher is? And he's going to answer that in the first four chapters of Matthew's Gospel, in which we get the first portrait of this preacher on the mountain. So, that's the first slide. Here, next slide. Here are five quick things we find out. Firstly, this preacher is the fulfillment of some ancient promises. Matthew starts his account of Jesus' life by telling us that he is the son of David and the son of Abraham. So this preacher, we are purposefully told, is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that he will bless a family that will bless all the nations. So when he is preaching, he is blessing us. And he is describing the blessed life in order that we may walk into that and then become a blessing to the nations. Amen? He is also the son of David. And do you remember the promise from our Isaiah series? A child is born, a son is given, who will reign on the throne of David, whose government and peace would know no end. So as he is preaching, he's not only blessing us, he is showing them the citizens of his kingdom what life is going to look like if you live under his reign. And further in Matthew 1, we are told the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount is named Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Now there is a reason for these words to have authority in your life. This is God with us. And he is speaking. Next one, Gussie. Secondly, Matthew tells us through John the Baptist that the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount is Lord and that he will baptise with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the preacher's sermon should have authority, it should cleanse us, and it should refine us with fire. So three pretty good things. And when Jesus gets baptised, a voice from heaven is heard saying, This is my Son, whom I love. 
with whom I am well pleased. If this is true, if this is God's Son speaking to us, we should listen to this sermon. Alright, next one, Gussie. Three. The preacher on the mount is also the one who has known and overcome temptation. Matthew tells us in chapter 4 that he goes into the desert for 40 days after his baptism and he is tested. And the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus of Nazareth, is able to stand against temptation. He's the first person in history to ever be able to do that. And so the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount stands against evil and he resists. So when he preaches, he knows temptation. And he wants us to stand too. So when we are weak, here is one who is strong, who can help us. Fourthly, Gussie, this preacher is light in the darkness. Matthew tells us later in chapter 4 that it is Isaiah's fulfilment of the promise. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. So this preacher's words should act like light piercing the darkness of our souls. His entire life should act as a light that guides us and that saves us. And his words will have authority to rescue us from darkness into his kingdom of light. Amen? Fifth and final one, the preacher is the one who brings the kingdom of heaven into our broken world. The very next bit, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, says that from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And that's Jesus' main message in his teaching ministry. That the Sermon on the Mount is calling us into the life of the kingdom of heaven. So this preacher is God with us. He is establishing his righteousness, his kingdom, right here. Right now, in the middle of human history. And that is why the preacher on the Sermon on the Mount will also heal the sick, deliver people from evil. He is driving out every other kingdom that is broken in this world, that has control over our lives. And he is establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. So his message, of course, is repent, turn from those kingdoms. Because God's kingdom has come near. Startling news. Turn around. Embrace the preacher. Embrace the sermon. And his kingdom will emerge within you. And it will be established on earth. Amen. Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are people, you when people insult you, when they persecute you for righteousness, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. And so a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever teaches these commands will be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, then surely you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. But I tell you again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, then leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. With your adversary, who is taking you to court, do it while you are still on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to a judge, and the judge may hand you over to an officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. 
And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard it was said long ago. Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I do tell you, do not swear an oath, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one of your hairs white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You might have heard it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what will your reward be? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. The hypocrites do that in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their sins, then your Father will not forgive you your sins. And when you fast, do not look sombre like the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it is not obvious to others what you are doing. But only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hey, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. Do not, but store for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field and how they grow. They do not labour or spin. And did I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendour was dressed like one of these? If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust 
in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs, because if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, those who seek will find, and those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for some bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For that actually sums up all of the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Hey, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And by their fruit you will recognise them. Do not people do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. And then a bad tree bears bad, bad, bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognise them. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears his words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. (laughs) 
<laughs> what struck you today as you heard the greatest sermon from the greatest preacher who ever lived? I don't think I'd ever do that. Read the entire sermon on the mountain. When I first wrestled with the Sermon on the Mount, it was always in chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Holy moly. <laughs> what do you do with that? What I want to suggest as we do this series on what did Jesus teach is that that is not so much of a command as that is a promise. The original Greek here is the future imperative. It is seldom used and hard to render into English. The inclination is to make it into a commandment. Ye be perfect. Properly translated, it, will be, it is you will be perfect. It is a promise. You will be these kinds of people because you are following me. And I believe that the way to fulfilling this promise is also found in the Sermon on the Mount. Firstly, verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. As we recognise we can't do it, we receive the kingdom again. And then chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Humility and a hunger to seek this kingdom and it will be established in your life. Amen? That's enough for today. Why don't we stand? Just as I finished, and I am finished, I promise. <laughs> I've never read that much scripture. That felt good to hear it, I say. Hey, three options today. Uh, with Alpha, faith in general. Uh, you might be thinking, I've heard that, that's not for me. Thanks for coming today. Uh, there might be some who are just thinking, I'm not quite there, but I'd like to hear more. Let me encourage you to come this Wednesday to Alpha. And uh, we would so love to have you at our launch party. But finally, there may just be someone here this morning who just wants to respond, who has the Sermon on the Mount, who's read, their heart was beating, and they thought, you know, I want to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's you, let me encourage you just to pray to welcome him into your life right now. And if you want to do that this morning, let me encourage you just to put a hand on your heart. Just as a way of welcoming the king, the preacher, into our hearts. Lord, that we are poor in spirit before you. We can't do this on our own. And we have fallen short of being perfect like you were perfect. And we just pray right now, Lord God, that we'll have those words spoken over us. You're blessed, but now yours is the kingdom of heaven. 
Father, we receive that in Jesus' name.